Good morning. Uh, welcome in the name of the Lord. Uh, good to have you with us here today. Uh, before we get into Bible class, just a few um, public service announcements. Uh, today is the day that normally we would be on the streets of downtown, uh, standing for the unborn, standing against um, our country's decision to make abortion legal. Um, and because of the whole COVID situation, that was canceled this year in Indianapolis. However, we are going to have a life march, life walk. What's the name of this thing? Life chain. Thank you. I forgot that one. Uh, in Boone County. So uh, the rain should pass. Uh, so from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock, if you would like to come and stand and silently pray um, and give a visible witness uh, to God's word and that all life is precious, uh, even life in the womb, we will be doing so up in Lebanon. Boone County Courthouse. We're going to be on the west side of the courthouse off of 39, I think, somewhere along there. Um, so come join us. Uh, we'll have some uh, signs if you want or just uh, stand and silently pray uh, for our country and, uh, of course, uh, for all the children that are affected by abortion as well and mothers, okay? Uh, let's see. Donuts are back. Yay! Donuts are back. So hopefully you enjoyed those. Sir, okay, a Bible and a notepad was found in the parking lot. Um, isn't there a commercial where people set things on top of the car and they don't fall off that's been hitting the airwaves? So they must have the wrong kind of insurance, I guess. So the Bible and the notepad that was found in the parking lot is in the narthex, so if you're looking for that. Okay, any other public service announcements? Welcome to October. Welcome to the fall. We are there officially. Um, things are going to start rolling now for the next few months. Obviously, we've got Reformation, All Saints Day. Uh, don't forget uh, Thanksgiving uh, is soon upon us. We will uh, do as we always do, have divine service Thanksgiving morning. I think that's at 10 o'clock. And then Advent will start, and, uh, and then Christmas will be here. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Uh, so don't forget, uh, we have uh, begun offering an additional worship service on Wednesday evenings. So if you'd like to uh, come and pray with us on Wednesday nights, uh, 6.30, uh, we're done by 7. Uh, we're praying Vespers right now. And then we have uh, classes for 5th through 8th grade for confirmation. And we have an adult Bible class that's studying Luther's large catechism that has been meeting in here during that time as well. Okay? Any other announcements before we get started from any other board, committee chairs? Mr. Chairman, Herr Presidente, all good? Okay. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord, we implore you, grant your people grace to withstand the temptations of the devil and with pure hearts and minds to follow you, the only God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We are studying the book of Daniel, Old Testament book. And as I've mentioned before, this book has often been discounted, ignored, discredited by historical critics, meaning that they would say that there's not enough historical evidence to validate that this is actually true. And we would completely disagree with that. Uh, we would believe that the Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel, that he was an actual man that lived, uh, that he recorded these accounts. There's a lot of really good history that uh, even since has been uncovered to substantiate uh, some of the kings that are named. Um, this book is, however, not just about Daniel, 
who lived for about 70 years in Babylon. Uh, Daniel was a Judean, so he came from the Bible lands. Uh, this, uh, what we're reading took place right around 600 B.C. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar uh, was the king there of Babylon. Babylon is currently the land of Iraq and Iran, roughly. Uh, the Babylonian Empire was a very large empire. Uh, the two kingdoms of God's people, which would have been the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, were really quite small, paled in comparison to uh, the Babylonian Empire. And we know that God's, God allowed his people to be captive to be taken into captivity because they had started to worship false gods. And so the Lord disciplines those he loves. So part of the discipline now for God's people is he not only withdrew uh, some of his presence from them, but he allowed them to be taken into captivity. When the Babylonians came in, they took all the smart dudes and, and ladies, they, they, the guys and gals that had something to offer, uh, those that could be trained and catechized in Babylonian ways, and so last week we learned about four specifically, not just Daniel, but Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, okay? Otherwise known, the last three as their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? And so last week at the end of chapter one, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. They all scored close to 1,600 on their SAT, they were between 32 to 36 on their ACT. Uh, these were smart dudes. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams, we're told there in verse 17. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So these four, okay, uh, Judeans... Believers, uh, foreigners in Babylon, stood out compared to everybody else, okay? Uh, and not just stood out that they were, you know, they dressed nice, uh, you know, they had nice haircuts, they kept their face clean-shaven or trimmed. Uh, these dudes were smart, uh, and it was, it was quite uh, visible and recognizable to, to all that they were very unique, Okay? And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them. So the king now is examining all of these wise men. So these guys stand out. They're all given, you know, a Rhodes Scholarship. They go off to the best of schools. Um, and they're being, you know, funneled into service directly with the king. That's specifically what the wise men were for. Were for to be counsels uh, to counsel uh, the king. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Okay? King Cyrus comes later. It's around 5, I don't know if I have my dates right. I want to say 538 B.C. Um, so we're pretty sure Daniel is taken into captivity. I think he might have been as young as 12 or 13, most likely 18 or 19. Spends close to 70 years serving the Babylonian courts. Um, and towards the end of his time is when he writes the book of Daniel, uh, recounts all that has happened. Um, King Cyrus then basically uh, uh, defeats, uh, uh, you know, takes over uh, the Babylonian Empire and then allows the captives, if they want to, to go home. And so Daniel then is able to go back uh, home. There's a rebuilding of the temple that takes place there in Jerusalem about the same time as well. Okay, 
So that brings us now to chapter 2, which is where we're going to start today. Any questions before we dive into chapter 2 about what's going on here? Okay, and just keep in mind, we're studying the book of Daniel because, one, it deals with visions, dreams, and prophecy. We're going to hear a lot about what heaven is like, what God's grace and mercy is like. We're going to also learn a little bit about the end times of what's going to happen. Now, all of this is going to prepare us for a little more detailed study that we'll probably get to Eh, we'll see how quickly we get to it. Maybe sometime around Christmas, we're going to dive into the book of Revelation from, from here on out, okay? All right, no questions? Let's dive into chapter 2. You can follow along. You got it up there behind me? Um, one other thing to mention, when we get here into chapter 2, verse, I think it's 4, um, most of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, um, which is, is, is technically a dead language, okay, um, and also Aramaic. And so chapter 2 to about Daniel chapter 6 or 7 uh, is actually written in Aramaic. So it's one of the few books in the Old Testament uh, that actually is written in a little different language. Hebrew and Aramaic are very similar. Um, I have not per se studied Aramaic. Um, I've, I've looked at the Hebrew transliteration of it, obviously. Um, but uh, So there's just a little difference with that. And that really shouldn't surprise us too much. The Babylonian Empire, much like the Roman Empire, you know, brought in a number of different languages, customs, and cultures. Um, and uh, Aramaic, obviously, would also have great connection uh, back uh, with, uh, with uh, Jesus and some New Testament history. But I'll save that for another time. Let's start with chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Raise your hand if you've had that problem. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. (laughs) Sounds like he's got a silver spoon in his mouth, right? So uh, the king's got bad dreams, and uh, he can't sleep. And so, okay, bring all these wise men in here. This is what I'm paying you for. I want you to come and figure out what my dreams mean, Perhaps why I'm having them, okay? Now, maybe you've talked to a counselor before, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, you know, and and some of the thing they might do is check on your diet. They might run a blood panel to make sure all your levels are good, your hormones are good, and that sort of thing. Uh, They might send you like they did my dad to go have a sleep test. Raise your hand if you've had a sleep test. And my dad found out that he wasn't getting the oxygen he needed at night. So he's got this fancy, pantsy, you know, sleep, uh, 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 whatever it's called, machine that makes sure he has oxygen. And the guy sleeps like a little baby now. It's just amazing. Um, and, and what a blessing that is. So, uh, so Nebuchadnezzar brings in his doctors and all his smart people. You know, I'm having these bad dreams. Tell me what they are. Help me figure it out. You know, it's obviously affecting, you know, who he is. Okay. Uh, so they came in and stood before the king, verse three, and the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream right? So you might remember a dream that you've had. Perhaps it's a recurring one, and perhaps it's, it's troubled you, right? Um, you know, when you're little, it's not uncommon to have dreams about, uh, you know, running water, and you wake up, and you've peed the bed, right? Um, and, you know, dreams about falling, and I had a dream one time, I remember that, and, and uh, I fell on the floor, right? Well, no wonder I had a dream about falling. It must have been a really fast dream, but you know, kind of weird. So the king is really troubled about his dreams, whatever they are. Um, and uh, so, hey, my spirit is troubled. I want to know what the dream means. 
Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. So the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, (laughs) get ready for this, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive for me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Now, just think for a second about the, the sticky wicket, the predicament that these fellows find themselves in, right? Because who really is going to know the interpretation of the dream? The trick is what? Telling him what he wants to hear. And if you don't tell him what he wants to hear, he's going to tear you limb from limb. He's also, your houses are going to be laid in ruins. And that doesn't just mean your house is going to be uh, torn down. Uh, In Babylonian culture and and, and also some Old Testament history, what they would do is wherever someone's house uh, house was, they would actually turn that into a waste pit. That would be where all the toilets would be deposited and emptied. Cistern would be dug. And so when they say lay the house in ruins, it's more than just having your house you know, you know, you drive by in your subdivision, all of a sudden, you know, there's a, <laughs> a sewer, a septic plant, right? And that's, that's literally what, what that meant, okay? Um, so if you show me the dream, then you'll receive gifts and rewards. Hey, that's a pretty good deal, but I don't know, is it worth it? They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and he will, we will show the interpretation. Now look at how King Nebuchadnezzar handled this. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, <laughs> You think? Uh, Because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. What's Nebuchadnezzar asking for? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you all the details. We're going to see how smart you guys are. You tell me what my dream is, right? Now, he might have given him a few tidbits here or there, but the thrust of the text, and especially that occurs twice here, certainly makes it seem that he expects them to somehow divine, to somehow figure out what his dream is and then explain it to him, okay? And it's at that point they know, <laughs> yeah, their houses are going to be public waste depositories, right? And they're going to be torn limb from limb. Uh, the Chaldeans, verse 10, answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. It's not possible, O king. Okay? So now they, now they flip to the, the whole you know, uh, Im, Im, impossible side of things. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. I'm not sure that's a line of reasoning you'd want to use with a king, but that's what they choose. The thing that the king asks is difficult, very true, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. That's a very interesting little sentence. The the thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. So keep in mind, uh, Babylonian culture, um, and you've got... You know, let, let's just talk about um, 
worship outside of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the big connections with that, maybe the easiest way to explain this to you, most people are familiar with, you know, Greco-Roman mythology, right? And so the gods are, they've got their own little thing going on, right? On Mount Olympus. And they've got their own little relationships. And for the most part, they just kind of do their own thing. You know, if you do your little happy dance, That'll make them happy, and then they'll send rain, and they'll make sure there's a good harvest and, and, and do all that stuff. But, but, you know, there's a difference between gods and humans. I mean, their dwelling is not really with flesh. It's, it's their god realm, okay? So when you study world religions, you'll see a very similar thread along these lines. And I love how Daniel severs, uh, summarizes this. Uh, the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And I want you to compare and contrast this with the faith now that Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah would have had. They would have had faith and looking for what? What were they looking forward to? What was the promise from Genesis 3.15? A son born of the woman, actual flesh from God would come and be what? Would be the savior of all mankind, Right? This is echoed as well in, in, in Isaiah's text, okay? Emmanuel, God with us, okay? So this, this was something that was very unique uh, for, um, for, for the Hebrews in terms of their, their understanding of not only one God, not many gods, but also their understanding that, that this was a God who uh, wanted to be with men. The dwelling place of God is with men, and not only that, it has to do with flesh and substance, right? Which is why John pens what he does in his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God in the beginning. And then John 1 verse 14, and the Word became flesh, sarks. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, okay? So the incarnation of Jesus is testified to throughout all 66 of the Bi- books of the Bible, Okay, and is is cornerstone and hallmark uh, of of our faith. Okay, any questions or comments before we move on here? Okay, let's go to verse twelve. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious. Go figure, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. Right. So this is the you know off with their heads. Uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland going on here. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So now we're told Daniel and his companions are included as they're gathering all these wise men regardless. Remember, there's different ranks of training, okay, that they went through. We covered that last week in chapter 1 a little bit. So it's not they don't become wise men immediately. They uh, develop them, they teach them, they examine them, that sort of thing. So now they gather them all together. 14, then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to uh, Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? So his first question is, what's the rush? What do you think of that question? What's the rush? What's the rush? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. So then Arioch tells him what's going on, right? Probably like, you know, <laughs> our crazy king, nobody's listening to me, right? Don't write this down. 
Uh, you know, this is what this is what's going on. This is what he's asked for. Okay. Um, Daniel then went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. So Daniel now, you know, what's the rush? Number two, you know, calls the office there at the at the palace, and uh, you know, who knows how long it takes him, you know, to go through the protocol. I need to get an appointment with the king which probably would not have been an easy matter. It's probably ab- about as difficult for one of us to, you know, to go, you know, see the president, you know, that sort of thing, uh, or some other big wig. Very difficult sometimes to get in to see people that are, that are up there, okay? Uh, verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel now goes uh, to these uh, these three fellows, okay, and basically tells them what? Better start praying. <laughs> it's not looking good. So the first thing we need to do is we we need to we need to pray to the one true God. We need to trust in faith that God's going to pr- provide a way to do that. So the first thing that Daniel counsels is prayer. I've talked a little bit about this with you the last few weeks by simply asking you, when you've had challenging times, what's the first thing you do? It should be. (laughs) Has it always been? And I shared with you, you know, I mean, I'm an ordained pastor. You think I would automatically know that and do that all the time, but I'm a sinner too. And sometimes my sinful nature or my stubbornness gets a hold of me, and the last thing I think of is turning to God in prayer right away. Okay. Matter of fact, a lot of times if I have a difficult situation, you know, I'm kind of shaking my fist or flipping off the guy upstairs saying, what in the world are you doing? Right? And so, you know, uh, God and I often, the sinner in me, are at fisticuffs. Okay? And I freely admit that every sinner should because none of us are perfect in that regards. But now part of the life of sanctification, the Holy Spirit who, who comes now, Put the sinner to death. The sinner cannot be reformed. It's got to be drowned and die. It's got to be dead, which is why we repent of sin. We receive absolution. Okay? And now the Spirit comes and now brings about good works by His power and grace. And so, and, and one of those is prayer. No one can call upon God, can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So let's pray, boys. <laughs> okay? Uh, th- this ride we've been on... <laughs> Maybe it's, it's, it's going to be done. Okay? Questions or comments? Okay, rolling right along. Verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. This is a big sentence. Okay? The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Now, we're going to hear of this happening throughout other parts of Scripture, and throughout this study, we'll be referencing some other times where God works in a very miraculous and mysterious way. In the past, we are told God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. Now, in these last days, He's spoken to us through through His Son. So, it's not about us seeking out visions now. It's about us recognizing that this is how God worked Okay, in these times prior to the arrival of Christ and spoke directly to them in a vision. What's Daniel's first response of receiving a vision? He prays, right? He blesses the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, 
Okay, you want to read it with me? Here we go. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Now stop right there. Have you noticed what emphasis we have in in our worship, in the divine service, and even in our prayer? First and foremost is what? The name of God. Always starts with that. Okay? Um, So how can they call upon him who they do not know? So when we talk about the ability to know God's name and call upon him, that's a really big deal. Okay? So when you meet someone for the first time, um, uh, had a, 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 young, a young man, a friend of mine that came down on Friday, lives in Chicago, knew him from Nebraska, and we played, we played golf uh, Friday afternoon. And we played with two guys, Don and David. I don't remember their last names. Usually you don't always get to last names. But I do remember it because the guy I was playing with, his name was David. And he kept telling me, this is really weird. Because I kept saying, you know, nice shot, David. Well, I wasn't talking to him. I was talking to the other guy, right? Once you know somebody's name, what can you do when you know somebody's name? You can talk. It's amazing what happens when you learn someone's name. So when I was in sales, which seems like, you know, a century ago, one of the things I took was a course on remembering people's names. And I'm sad to tell you, it didn't work as well as it should have. Because I'm horrible with names, and if you know me, you've gotten to know that already. It takes me a little while, right? I mean, I can remember a lot of other details, but names are difficult for me. And this course I had, this, this uh, you know, sales course, was trying to associate a name with something else that was close by. So it was just association, right? Um, so Don, you know, I'd look around and I'd find something that would make me think of Don, you know, and remind me of Don, you know. Um, and it could be that uh, here's what it was. Don was smoking a cigar, And that made me think of any movies with a guy who was a mob boss that smoked a cigar? (laughs) There you go, right? So so then I I got Don taken care of, right? And the David was easy because David was the same name as my buddy I was playing with, okay? So my simple point is this. When you know someone's name, it, it now provides a connection and a relationship you didn't have before and the ability to call out to that person, you know. Hey, Don, you cigar-smoking fool, your ball's over here. As opposed to, hey, <laughs> your ball's over here, you know, and you get five guys that turn around that are on all the different holes, right? So you know, you know somebody's name, there, there's a relationship there. And so, so Daniel knows God's name. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. So he starts off first by giving honor and acknowledgement and calling upon the one true God, okay? And, and that's what we do as well. That's why all of our prayers will start that way. It's why we begin things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's why I've told you, whenever you find yourself in the presence of evil, you're stuck in a situation, call upon God's name. Yes, you can just say God in general. Yes, you can just say pray to Jesus. You can pray to the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true God. Good, good way to do it. Okay, all right, let's move on. Questions? Okay, uh, verse 21. Here we go. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. 
He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we have asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Right. So just this is just a beautiful prayer in, in, in so many ways. So it, it, it all starts with, with addressing God for who he is, okay? And this, this by the way, is, is you know, if you, if you look, I don't know how well you're going to be able to see this up here. So when we have the prayers that we use in the church, I'll try and write really big. They're typically called collects, okay? A collect just simply means a prayer, okay? So the first part of the prayer is the address, And how do most of our prayers begin? With God's name. Okay, God's name, um, again, whether whether Trinitarian, normally the prayers will start in terms of God the Father. Okay, so that's kind of of normal. Okay, Um, then what happens next in our collects? Have you ever paid attention to this? Pay attention to the prayer of the day. There's a certain order that's followed for a reason. What's the next thing that's done in a prayer? What? Um, for what? I'm, I'm going to try, try and summarize it really simple for you, okay? A reminder. Uh, you're not going to be able to see this very well. Reminder or statement. And I'm going to say statement of fact of what God has done. For example, Okay? Dear Father in heaven, who brought the Israelites through the Red Sea. You got that? So we're addressing the one true God. And now there's some sort of statement of what God has done for you and for his people, which really is just a reiteration of what Scripture says. Okay? But you could also pray this way. So you're faced with something. Uh, Dear Father in heaven... You brought me safely through my teenage years. I don't know how you did that, right? But I survived. <laughs> I didn't die in a car crash. I didn't wind up in prison. I mean, you're, you're reminding, you're giving thanks to God of some fact. Now, normally the prayers in church don't deal with your teenage years. They deal with biblical facts. But you can pray that way as well. Normally we would just go to statement of fact from the Bible. And then you would have your request. So, dear Father in heaven, or your petition... Okay, pastors, I'm not using the big fancy terms they taught us at seminary. I'm trying to keep it simple for the people here, okay? So petition would be a big fancy term. Your request. So dear Father in heaven who brought your people through the Red Sea, please bring me safely through my medical test today. Got it? See that? And now you're, you're putting your request, your petition out there, okay? And then there's, you know, how your prayer is going to conclude Conclusion, the big fancy pants term is called termination, okay, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. That's kind of the long termination. Or you can just simply say, in Jesus' name, okay? But you start with God, okay? You remind, you're not really reminding God, who are you reminding? You're reminding yourself who this God is and what he's done throughout your history, throughout all of human history, you're bringing your request to him. 
This is what I need here and now. And then you're asking all these things in whose name? In his name as well. So it starts and ends with God. Okay, that's just a brief little tutorial kind of on how to pray. And when you start to kind of pick up on that, um, it gets to be a little marvelous. But you'll see that in Scripture, this order. So let's look at Daniel's prayer real quick. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and insight. Okay, so there's some facts there. He's got wisdom, he's got insight. He changes times and seasons, right? The sun came up, sun went down, right? So we're now moving into the fall season, whether you like it or not. I love this time of year. I don't like that there's less daylight. I like the cooler temperatures, though. But God has ordered the world with, you know, just times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. I mean, Daniel's lived this. He's seen his, <laughs> his king, you know, from Judah be trampled upon by Nebuchadnezzar. And, and so now the king that he serves is not the king that he grew up with. Just like come November, I can't begin to tell you what president you're going to have. I can tell you you're going to have one, okay? Correct? I, see, I shouldn't have even gone there, but that's the truth. Things change, right? I mean, even if they stay the same, they change. I'm just going to stop, okay? So, but God's in charge of that, and that's what you got to believe, okay? So that's what Daniel is saying. He gives wisdom to the wise, kind of rhetorical, knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells within him. Okay. To you, O God of my fathers, I give you thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we have asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Okay. So this is more of a prayer of thanksgiving, but yet you'll see all these things in there in some way, shape, or form. Either a reference to what was requested, and in this case, uh, Daniel is praying, this is what we asked, <laughs> and thank you, God, you have now revealed this to us. Okay? All right, any questions on that? I don't want to belabor that, but good, good. All right, let's move on to 24. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, the captain, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Now, nobody else has obviously done this <laughs> to this point, okay? But God now has given Daniel, told Daniel what the dream is, and also provided interpretation for it, okay? So that in and of itself is, is miraculous. Let's see how this plays out. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen? Well, there's more chapters in the book, right? So... <laughs> Okay, all right. So then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, right? And remember, I mean, there's probably, you know, they're gathering people up. They've got them lined up outside, firing squad hangings, not sure exactly how. Well, they're going to be torn limb from limb, so they're getting ready to do all that. Um, I have found among the exiles from Judah, so now that's reference first. So this, this is who Daniel and these four guys are known as. They're men from Judah, a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, and remember Daniel's uh, uh, Babylonian name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, absolutely. Oh, is that what he, no, he didn't say, oh, let's see what he said. No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or <laughs> and Nebuchadnezzar's like, dude, it's a yes or no answer, right? So those of you that are preparing to study law, 
get ready for yes or no questions, right? So Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. So just look at how Daniel answers this question. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Okay? What does Daniel not say? Bad method of argumentation right away, but what does he, what does he not say? Here in his first response. Just speak loud. That he knows what it is, so he doesn't bring emphasis upon himself, right? He doesn't put himself up high and you know, you know, okay. What else? Anything else? So no emphasis upon himself. Yeah, okay. No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. Now, wait a minute. Isn't Daniel a wise man? He's being included with all of them, isn't he? Him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, aren't they included in the wise men they're about to be killed? Does Daniel include himself with that company? He doesn't. That's interesting. Okay, nobody can show the king uh, the mystery that the king has asked. But now understand what Daniel is saying. Where is this explanation coming from? Yeah, okay. It, 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 it's coming, well, it might come through a wise man. It's not from a wise man. And what did, what did Nebuchadnezzar ask for? He wanted interpretation by a wise man. Daniel's saying, okay, first of all, king, before we go any further, you need to know that everything you're about to hear <laughs> is from who? <laughs> there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. That's where this information is coming from. So Daniel gives immediate witness, confession, that everything is from God. Okay? Uh, your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thought of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. So who gave King Nebuchadnezzar this dream? What's it sound like? Fair? Anybody disagree with that? So can God give people dreams? He can. And in this case, he's given Nebuchadnezzar a dream. Is Nebuchadnezzar a believer? Oh, no. Not not by his confession. And we'll hear more about Nebuchadnezzar as we get into the book of Daniel. Uh, we know that, you know, he certainly, uh, faith is, is, is not there. Okay, interesting figure. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Okay, I'm just going to keep reading. Raise your hand or shout out if you've got a question. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand. And it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay 
and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in places and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now before we read about the interpretation, anything there, when we talk about Scripture interpreting Scripture, that kind of hits you between the eyes? Go ahead, just raise your hand. Yes, ma'am. The what? The stone rolling away from the tomb? Yes, we got stones there. Okay. What struck this figure first, or where did it strike? What? The feet? Okay. Is that any connection in Scripture for that? Genesis 3.15, maybe a heel, heel strike. Okay. Uh, you shall, this offspring of the woman, this is the Messiah talk, you shall crush the serpent's head, but he will strike your heel. Okay. Um, any, anything else? I'm just asking questions. This is what's fun when you study the Bible. So when you study the Bible, okay, when you come across something that's not immediately clear, the first thing I would encourage you to do in Bible study is just let your fingers do the walking through Scripture. Let your mind think of, okay, are there any connections here? Okay. Um, are there anything that we hear of that takes place otherwise? Okay, one more. Oh, over here first. I'll come back to you. Oh, yeah, Goliath being struck by a stone. Okay, yep, that's a good one. Oh, Ten Commandments being broken. I haven't thought about that one. I'd never thought of that. That's a good one. Commandments being broken. Okay. Uh, Jesus' body maybe being broken in death. Yeah. Yeah, the wheat and the chaff, right? The separation of that and the chaff being blown away, right? And, of course, he who knew, knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus literally becomes sin, and, and is, is, you know, is rejected by God on the cross. Okay, anything else? Okay. All right, let's, we, got to, we got time. Let's read the interpretation. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory. Now, Daniel's what we would call, he's got a silver tongue. Have you ever heard that before? I mean, he's, he's where he's at for a reason. Okay, so so he knows how to how to, but in some I mean it's it's also true, because this he is the Babylonian king. Okay, now just just a reminder, real quick: Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and, and Belteshazzar, <laughs> did they obey their king? I mean, up to this point, they were now they found themselves citizens in a new land. Did they uh, start an insurrection? Okay, have some sort of, uh, you know, wolf project like they had in Nazi Germany to overthrow Hitler. That might be a different thing to think about. But they operated where they were. They respected the authority that was placed over them. Okay, but they maintained their faith. And we're going to hear more about that. Okay, um, so they recognized that this was the king in this land. 
All right, let, let's go on. I'm just, I like to give you things to think about or, or say, that's not right, Pastor. Has given the kingdom the power, the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man. So has God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to conquer other lands? Well, yeah, he has. He didn't stop it. Allowed it. Okay? And remember, everything that God allows to happen to you will ultimately be for your good and for the strengthening of your faith in some way, shape, or form. Always believe that. Never doubt that. Okay? Because God will allow difficult and even bad things to happen to you, but ultimately it will be for your good. So Daniel's simply saying that. The beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. So who's the head of gold from the dream? Nebuchadnezzar. He is the earthly ruler that God has put there in that place, okay? Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth, and there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. Okay? And I'm going to just, I'm going to say two words real quick, and maybe you understand what I'm, I'm laying, picking up what I'm laying down. Church and state. Okay? So, oh, I could go on for an hour with what I've been studying for my dissertation, but I won't. Let's finish up. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. Okay. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Remember the conversation between Pilate and Jesus? Oh, so you're a king, Jesus. <laughs> Where's your palace at? Uh, sorry, Pilate, my man. My kingdom's not of this world. What? Everybody's kingdom is of this world. I mean, it's a great little conversation between Pilate and Jesus there, okay, as, as Pilate sits uh, uh, their uh, judgment, earthly judgment over Jesus. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Is this the kingdom that Jesus is speaking of, or is it another kingdom? Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God, capital G probably in your Bibles, has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. Okay, and we got about two minutes, so let me finish up this chapter. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel. Now just imagine this for a second. The king bows down to who? A foreigner, a foreigner whose servant pays homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. He treats Daniel like a Okay. So I would say that's the first thing Nebuchadnezzar does wrong, right? Because Daniel, first of all, said, this isn't from me. So Nebuchadnezzar doesn't get it yet, does he? He doesn't get it. 
he immediately attaches, you know, the worth, uh, you know, and again, worship, English word worth-ship, he who is worthy of worth uh, and honor, he attaches that to Daniel, and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries, for you've been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler. He got the bass boat he'd been wanting because they had really good fishing there in Babylon. Okay, and uh, maybe new, uh, you know, Harley uh, uh, Ultra Glide or something. I don't know what he wanted. Uh, and uh, he he got all that stuff. Uh, Chick Fil A every lunch. If you like Chick Fil A. Uh, then the king gave Daniel high honors, many gifts, made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. And that's where our story ends for today. Okay? Holy Spirit, well, first of all, no one, no one had even attempted this yet. Um, secondly, Daniel tells him what the dream is, and obviously that's the dream. Nebuchadnezzar, as he's listening to it, you can just imagine, he's probably, it's probably a pee-your-pants moment. You know, and Nebuchadnezzar, the hair is probably standing up on the back of his head because now he's listening to somebody else tell him what his private dream was that he hadn't told, as far as we know, to anybody else. I mean, imagine if I came and told you what dream you had last night, okay? I mean, you would be like, ooh, right? You'd be like, whoa, you know, okay? So and that's not going to happen, by the way, but... Okay, so yeah, so um, I, I think, you know, Nebuchadnezzar believes it, one, because Nebuchadnezzar's not an idiot. I mean, he's a king for a reason. He's pretty smart. How in the world is this possible? Okay, two, I think the Holy Spirit's at work because we know the dream came from God, so this is kind of unique and that we can't really pin that down. Okay, all right. Any other questions before we end today? Yes, ma'am. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Right. Now, hang on as we get into chapter 3, because you would think after this most amazing thing happened, that Nebuchadnezzar now would make a decree, maybe like Constantine, and say what? We are now going to follow and worship this God and Him alone. Right? But, but wait for next week. <laughs> All right, let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Thanks for your attention today. I hope you learned something. The Lord is with you. And because of Jesus, your Savior, you have access to him in prayer all the time, and he promises that he will preserve you. Let us pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you.
Amen.